0: Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Barry, and with me is Tim Parrish. And today we are going to talk about the upcoming NHL All-Star Game, its rosters, its uniforms, what we like about the All-Star Game, uh, what we want to be better about the All-Star Game, we're also going to talk about super crazy, humongous number of goalies that have played in the NHL this year. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about hockey cards later on in the podcast. So, Tim, how are you doing this fine, fine day?
0: I'm good. Finally feeling better.
1: Okay, good. That's great. That's great. Yeah, it's uh, Yeah. It's been a little rough for everybody. I mean, some people have gotten sick. I've been lucky enough to stay well, but the Women's Hockey League. The PHF, Mm -hmm. they moved their all-star game from Toronto to Buffalo because of the COVID restrictions in Ontario. They weren't going to be able to have a lot of fans in the stands, so they relocated the site of their all-star game to Buffalo. So this is the second year in a row that they're going to have their all-star game in Buffalo. And I think that's just kind of an interesting tidbit. I mean, we're going to talk about the NHL all-star game that's coming up, but I think it's interesting that the women's all-star game got relocated for, you know, that reason. And it's going to stream on ESPN plus as well. But I just, I thought that was kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, I hear talk on NHL radio all the time and hear the guys saying about are we going to get to the point where we're going to have to create some kind of bubble for the Canadians in some American city?
1: Yeah, I I mean... just Just to be able
0: to finish the season?
1: Yeah, I mean, especially with the restrictions and stuff. I mean, you know, earlier this month you had Winnipeg looking at playing games in Saskatchewan so that they could have their games where there would be more fans. But then that's kind of stupid because then you're, like, basically telling your season ticket holders, hey, we want you to travel to a different province to watch the games. You know what I mean? And That almost never goes well. Like, when a team says, yeah, we know we play in this city, but we're going to play in this other city. Um, And usually when that happens, it's because something's wrong with the rink, so they relocate. But, uh, yeah, that's really a stretch to be like, well, yeah, we're going to skirt these uh, COVID protocols by moving our games elsewhere, at least in the case of the Winnipeg Jets. But it's really hard to get everybody to bubble in – one city for that amount of time like they did when they returned in 2020 i mean that was like a really exceptional case and that was really just for the playoffs and yeah. then as teams got eliminated they were able to go home but you can't i mean that's impossible to do for 82 games so i i really don't know if there's i mean i guess the right answer is nobody plays everybody stays home everybody gets better the virus dies out because it doesn't have vectors to spread to and then we go back to business as usual but that's not going to happen so yeah, a
0: fat chance of that
1: right well you know it it could have happened but we didn't i don't know we instead of jumping into the pool we kind of dipped our toe so we don't know about this and then it just yeah but anyway i want to talk about the all-star game rosters um I love the All-Star game. I've always loved the All-Star game. Um, Coincidentally, the first All-Star game I saw was the one that I went to in person in uh, 1991. Because now that I think about it, uh, I missed the 89 All-Star game because I got into hockey right around that time, but I didn't really know what was going on. I'd catch games here. I'd catch games there. Um, I might have uh, – I can't remember if I missed the All-Star game or if I just didn't uh, – wasn't aware of it or whatever. And then I want to say maybe in 1990. I don't remember. That was the one in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. I missed that one because um, I remember all the 90 Pro Set cards had pictures from that All-Star game, and I thought they were cool, but I don't remember that All-Star game. And then, yeah, so the first one I saw was actually the first was the one that I went to in 91 at Chicago Stadium. Um, I've always liked the All-Star game. I've always thought in my mind it'd be fun if like the All-Star game and Winter Classic were combined, like make the All-Star game an outdoor game and it would just be even more awesome. But I think it's okay to have two separate awesome things. You have the Winter Classic and you have the All-Star game and these two things can coexist. You don't have to put all your eggs in one basket so to speak
0: i was gonna say with the way the formatting is on that that'd be rough would it I mean, be u- usually the outdoor ice gets pretty pretty chippy with just one game being played mm-hmm. i imagine four of them are getting played
1: mm-hmm. well then you'd have to have two rinks and you'd have to zamboni the heck out of them and uh um but uh you know so the thing is is that uh They announced the teams, as of this recording, they're still taking votes for the last man in, which is the 11th guy on each team.
0: Which I think is silly, but...
1: So, it's like this, the NHL says, hey, fans, vote for the captains, because we trust you again to not vote for John Scott, because he's retired. So, it's like, they'll let us vote for the captains again, and then they pick the next... Uh, nine guys. And then the last guy we get to vote for.
0: So it's... But here's my question about this whole thing. Yes. You, you've seen the rosters. You've looked at the rosters. I have. What's the criteria they use to decide, other than what we already know, and that's every team has to be represented?
1: Um, what other
0: criteria do they use?
1: Uh, I think it kind of... I think it varies on a case-by-case basis. Because, like... If you said, OK, who's like without me thinking too hard about it, like if you said, OK, who's the representative for the St. Louis Blues, you know, off the like, just the first thing I'd want to blurt out would be Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah, but then I think to about wrong. it, I go, well, no, wait, no, because, uh, you know, um, Jordan Cairo is leading the team in scoring. So he's the representative for the Blues. But then you look at the Bruins, who's leading the Bruins in scoring? It's Brad Marchand. And he's not on the All-Star.
0: Yeah, and I was going to say, and guess who's one of the biggest snubs off of the whole entire list? Brad Marchand. Not even here. Not that he cares, because they asked him about it, and he's like, I don't care. The All-Star games, it's fun to go to, but it doesn't mean anything. Right. And, and he's right. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean anything. And I think Nathan McKinnon caused a lot of backlash on himself, because... You know, was it this week or last week? He said, you know, this is an all-star game, not a participation game. And there's a ton of people that have no business being there. And he even admitted when he got put in back in 2017, when the avalanche were horrible. Mm -hmm. He said, I had no business being there. We shouldn't have had anybody there from our team. Mm -hmm. Yet we did. So here you have a lineup of guys that are made up of, well, somebody's got to be there from every single team so you've got representatives from it's like Arizona worst team in hockey Montreal mm-hmm. one of the worst teams in hockey Ottawa has a player I mean you got Nick Suzuki and Drake Batherson from Montreal and Ottawa I mean they're they're decent players but look at them and if we're if we're going by scoring prowess mm-hmm. I mean these guys aren't even in the top 50. In fact I think Suzuki is not even in the top 100 right so why do they get to represent their team only because someone has to
1: and it can't all be four. it can't be it can't be nine forwards and two goalies although they didn't necessarily pick an even split like you would think that there would be six forwards and three defensemen but you say look at the Pacific the only D man they have so far, as uh, Alex Pietrangelo. So, you know, another D-man might get voted in as the last man in. But I guess if you're playing three-on-three hockey and, you know, you can have, you know, a line of Connor McDavid, Johnny Goudreau, and Leon Dreisaitl, you don't really need a defenseman. You, you know what I mean? That, then the defenseman's almost like a formality, right? If, if you're playing three-on-three hockey, which is really just like kill, 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 right? And defense is... think I think we've kind of determined that defense is sometimes a little bit of an afterthought
0: in these games I mean obviously defense is not a priority because no one cares to see that they only want to see goals being put in and goalies being made to look like fools so
1: I I, still feel bad for Don Beaupre in the 92 all-star game that was when they were wearing those horrible Candyland jerseys the 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 red white and blue jerseys that were supposed to look like the NHL's 1926 all-star jerseys or whatever and yeah. or 1930s or whatever and uh Beaupré got hung out to dry and he allowed like six goals in one period of play um because you know I don't they weren't really prioritizing uh defense but yeah you, you're you're right about that uh
0: I see, like think, like okay. like here's the thing there's there's so many players that probably that should be in here that aren't in here. And if you're of the ilk of people that believe the all-star game doesn't matter, then I guess it doesn't matter, right? Are they really snubs if they didn't get put in because it's a game you don't care about? But if it is a game that you care about and you're trying to look at this is supposed to be you know just like the Olympics, they want to see best on best. Well, mm-hmm how do you have best on best when you don't even have all the best players in the league against each other? You have some of the best players and then you have a bunch of filling guys because of some silly requirement. So... so roster spots could be taken up by players that people want to see, like Steve Stamkos or Brad Marchand, or here's the big one, Nazem Kadri, who may still get in, but at the same time, they took Nathan McKinnon, they took Kale McCarr, both from Colorado. And I'm not saying they shouldn't be there. But look at the season that that Kadri's having.
2: Right. You know, po- They're
0: postseason take- suspensions aside, you know, that you know, we're ignoring that and we're looking at what he's done this year. I mean, he's playing out of his freaking mind this year. Nor did they take Roman Yossi who's, like, the league's best defenseman statistically right now. Right. And so, I mean, what do you – do I don't know. It just
1: – It seems like it in some cases you. they took the guy that they should have taken, and in other cases they took the guy who was the bigger name, right, in the case of, like, saying uh, Nathan McKinnon over uh, Nazem Kadri, right? But well, then McKinnon looked,
0: got picked as the captain, so he. So like,
1: that was out of that was the fans. The fans voted for him.
0: And Kale McCarr, pff, I'm not gonna deny the fact that he's an all star. I mean, right. he's he's one of the best defensemen in the league. But at the same time, you also have Roman Yossi, who could still get in.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But again, he's one of the league's top defensemen, and he's left off the list. Right. Because Clayton Keller had to be chosen. So it's like, wh- why? Like, really, why? You know, why, would, why would you do that?
1: I'm really okay with them pick, with them picking at least one player per team. I don't have a problem with that. I think that if you have an all-star game, I think all teams should be represented. I, I like the East versus West format better than, um, remember in the late 90s when they did North America versus the world? Sure. I mean, as fun as that was, you'd get like, you'd get like, oh, well, there happens to be one Swiss player playing in the league, and I guess we'll include him because he's the one Swiss player, you know what I mean? And so they kind of had to like say, well, okay, and you know, and oh, well, there's a couple of German guys, and maybe one of them is good, like say, like an Uwe Krupp or someone um, who would have been an all-star in like the '90s, but like, you know, uh, sometimes they were just you know it kind of lacks on it and you know what that's okay this isn't for this is for fun it's supposed to be fun and if um but you don't
0: think you don't think mcKinnon's point of it's not a participation game it's an all-star game has has some clout because yeah you want to have a player from every team representative but what if that team has no all-stars for that season
1: but every team has somebody who carries the load for them and they need to be rewarded i mean you look back at like, I mean, another example of like a, 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 I don't want to say a terrible All-Star because I i, I freaking love this player uh, when he played, but uh, Peter Sidorkovic, the goaltender, um, and in the 92-93 All-Star game, he was the Ottawa Senators' goal, uh, representative in the All-Star game. Why? Because he played a ton of games. He probably kept them in ga- he lost a ton of games that year, but he probably kept them in games and kept games closer than they could have been. So, you know, did he have a great season? No. Was he one of the top 10 goalies in the league? No. But he was probably Ottawa's best player that season and deserved to be in the All-Star game. So you're going to get a couple of those every now and then. I mean, you look
0: at like... um. So what's your end game, though? Do you want to see the best players and make up the best roster? Or do you want to see... The best players that also appeases every fan base in the in the league.
1: I think every fan should have a should have a dog in the fight. I mean, didn't it get I a little tired when you had like tons of Islanders and 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 uh, Oilers in the eighties when you'd look and like you know Glenn Sather would pick nine Oilers to be on the team and yeah you could say you know what all of those Oilers were damn good but was there maybe a a guy from another team that should have been included you know what I mean instead of maybe the 7th or 8th oiler.
0: I don't know. I don't I don't necessarily agree. I want to see the best players on the roster of that division. Now, it makes it definitely harder when these with these smaller divisional teams mm-hmm. and the fact that it's 3 on 3.
1: Well, not really though cuz you know what I did some quick math. So there are 9 10 11 and The rosters are only slightly, no, I think they're a little bigger because an all-star game roster would have 18 skaters and three goalies, but then sometimes they did up to 20 skaters and three goalies because you'd have, like, the commissioner's picks, as they'd call them, and that was from the one year where um, Mike Milbury picked Chris Nyland over Guy Lafleur, and they said, well, we can't have an all-star game and not have Guy Lafleur in it, and it's his last season. So then they made this, you know, um, commissioner's picks where they could pick an older player who was on his way out, but, a, you know, a, a superstar, potentially a future Hall of Famer, or in Lafleur's case, a Hall of Famer already, um, and, and include them. So, I mean, you had about 22 players, 23 players counting goalies. And if you count this up, like each – conference is like 22 players if you count all the goalies so it's kind of close the The big difference though is that the league has expanded a lot over the past uh well i don't say a lot it's it's added two teams in the past couple of years it didn't really add any teams past like 2001 so there was a long block of time where it didn't really grow but if you go back to like our childhoods when we started watching hockey whenever that was when you had only 21 teams you know you you could pick two guys per team easy. So I don't think these these teams aren't really that much smaller.
0: Maybe maybe expand the rosters and go back to five on five. I don't
1: know. Well, actually, that was going to be one thing I was going to think about was right now we have nine skaters and two goalies. And my suggestion would be to expand the rosters to 12 skaters and two goalies. We like the the two-period format. It's a three-on-three game, two-period format. Add three more skaters. If you want to make each half a little longer, that's fine. If you're thinking, oh, well, they won't get enough time to see, you know, this player play if they're playing every fourth shift instead of every third shift or whatever, Um, it's not like all... I can't really think of too many instances of All Star games shortening their bench other than the the John Scott All Star game where they were really trying to win that. Um, they were the Pacific was really trying to win, so Scott didn't play a lot in that last game. But then he ended up getting the check for the million. So I think it was you know it was kind of like I think everybody was like okay with that. You know what I mean? Um, Fans
0: were. I know that.
1: Well, I mean, we wanted to see John Scott play, but then when he played and then when it looks like they were going to win, they didn't, you know, they didn't necessarily want him out there with a minute left if they're up by a goal. You know what I mean? Like you want to really like circle the wagons and, 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 and play defensively. And I could kind of get that. But um, so I would say instead of nine skaters and two goalies, go to 12 skaters and two goalies. You're just adding three more players. It's not that... Many more players, but it's a start. And then on top of that, I mean, especially like, what if the league expands in a couple of years, goes from thirty-two to thirty-four teams? I don't want it to happen. I want to see the Nordiques come back, but I don't want to see. I think thirty-two is enough teams as it is.
0: Yeah, I agree. And and if they do expand, I'd hate to see them do it like they did the last time around and have an odd number again.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Even though somehow it kind of worked, but still.
1: So, we didn't talk about the penguin in the room.
0: I mean, there is only one. It's just Tristan Jari.
1: Yeah, well. I mean, he's been playing,
0: let's let's face it, he's been playing out of his mind this season. Yes. Out of his mind.
1: But. How can you have an all-star game and not have Sidney Crosby in it?
0: Again, another another snub. And Crosby's not even... I don't think he's even on the list of next men in. I think Gensel's yeah, well, on the
1: list. He's fourth. I think he's fourth on the team in scoring. He's only got like five goals this season. Something like five goals and 20 assists or yeah, around so according, there.
0: According to them, he's no longer a star. Because he's not even on the list. And again, Marshawn, too. He's not even on the list of next men in. He, like, he... he He's not there at all. Like, there's no chance. But, Krosby again, there's, there's a lot of players Crosby and Ovechkin. Like that. Panarin's another one.
1: Panarin should be in, but Crosby and Ovechkin should just be automatic at this point. Kind of like, say, Gretzky and LMEU circa 1996. Automatic. You know? Gretzky yeah. played in every All-Star game, and even in his last season, he had nine goals. He had a ton of assists that year. And he led right. the Rangers in scoring, but... He only had he nine every year. goals. So, yeah. I mean, y- you should not omit Sidney Crosby unless he asked very quietly, hey, guys, let me sit this one out.
0: No, that's only uh, Ovechkin that asks that.
1: Yeah, that's true. So, what do you think of the uniforms?
0: I like them. I think they're kind of cool. They're fine. They're They're almost like throwbacks.
1: To what, five years ago?
0: I don't know. I don't know what their throwbacks to, but they just remind me that they might be some kind of throwback.
1: Well, I read, a, I read the article on NHL.com, and they're basically kind of going back from like the late 90s to like the, the 90s, 2000s era. So like the North America versus the world. But then also, if you think about the time when they would do the uh, fantasy draft, remember that?
0: Oh yeah, I like those years.
1: Yeah, that was kind of like the
0: where Phil Kessel would get jokingly get picked last.
1: Yeah, that's right. He did get picked last.
0: Yeah, because they were making a joke like Phil needs to be picked, and nobody would pick him until last. <laughs> and it was a funny joke.
1: You think he still holds that grudge to this day?
0: I don't know. That was back when he played for Boston. Yeah. So. Well, he's he's gonna get traded soon anyway. Just I like words.
1: I liked the fantasy draft. I liked, uh, you know, I guess here's the thing. I like the all-star game. And if they change it every year or every couple of years, the format, that's fine. I thought North America versus the world was cool. Sure, we had some guys that probably had no business being all-stars in under normal circumstances. But to grow the idea of NHLers going to the Olympics, yeah, it made sense to do a North America versus the world format. Um, I like these uh, each— Division having a team I think that's a lot of fun I like the fantasy draft idea I thought that was a lot of fun you know what would be hella cool if all the players just threw their sticks in the middle of the ice and somebody just divvied them up like we do when we play pond hockey that would be fun That'd be fun, although I'd be memorizing which stick is Crosby's or which stick is McDavid's and be like, oh, uh, this uh, uh, Cooper stick is going to go in this pile over here. Yeah, that's that's right.
0: You could probably you can usually tell by the by the by the bend in the blade or the tape job. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but the tape jobs that give away.
0: Yeah. The um, one thing I do like about those jerseys, though, I like that. the I like the fact that they put the NHL shield on them. Mm hmm like really big on the front instead of the, of the team, team logo. logo because you know before with the team logo it's like everybody's got a different jersey now at least now everybody's gonna look uniform no pun intended or maybe no pun, pun intended.
2: Taken.
0: yeah it's the point um, but like that and the fact that it's like blue versus red i like i kind of like that because that again it's like you know white versus black or right you know, whatever color versus whatever color so you have that team oriented and also the fact that this stands out because it's not you're on this team and you're on this team and you're on this team and you're on this team team. it's you're on the all-star team for blue or you're on the all-star team for red
1: it didn't matter though because like even though like you had one team wearing white and the other team wearing dark gray and they had the team logos on them they were still kind of like grayed out logos you know what i mean and I, I thought that looked kind of cool. Though. I
0: still saw them though, like that's what I focused on.
1: So it was more like a it was more like a pickup game then, like when I organized one of my my weekly rat hockey games for me and my friends not not since COVID but prior to COVID. And I would you know I would just yeah say, everybody
0: shows up in their favorite jersey because that's the hockey jersey they have.
1: Well, but you tell half the guys to wear white and the other half to wear dark. And then you always have one, one a-hole who has to wear gray. And then nobody knows if he's on the white team or the dark team.
0: He can be the ringer for both.
1: Yeah, but... Um,
0: Unless he uh,
1: sucks. You know what I'd like to see? Just imagine this for a second. And I don't think they ever did this. So you remember the all-star jerseys from the late 80s?
0: The black... The orange and black ones?
1: Yeah, but I didn't like the ones that had orange as the base color. I liked it when they did black and white. So you had the black with, like, the white shoulders with the orange trim, or you had the white with the black and the orange trim. Imagine those coming back, but we replaced the orange with silver, like they did in the NHL logo, and the NHL insignia replaced orange with silver. Now, take those 80s All-Star Game jerseys, but now use the new NHL logo and then replace the orange with silver. I think that looks really cool.
0: So you're t- you're talking the ones with the star patches on the shoulders?
1: Oh yeah.
0: Uh, those ones? Uh huh. Um, and then what? Give them like silver helmets, like the kings?
1: Uh, that'd be kind of cool.
0: Or gold helmets, like the.
1: Uh, no, like you gotta helmets? match. So like maybe maybe the. Uh... No, nah, I think black and white helmets is fine. I, I don't really like the silver and gold helmets. Although I would like to see the Kings and the Knights play in silver and gold helmets. I think that would just be, like, kind of fun to see. But, like,
0: I don't don't know. I don't get as crazy about them as some people do.
1: If I had more room, I would definitely buy more jerseys. I know every couple of years I want to buy an all-star jersey and I never get around to it because I still think they're overpriced. Whatever they sell for, they're more than what I want to pay. And so I always feel like, eh, these are too much. So I just... You know, I don't buy them. And then usually I'm I'm the king of finding jerseys for, like, 40 bucks, brand new, 10 years later.
0: But, <laughs> I mean, but at
1: least it's the price I want to pay.
0: I agree. They are expensive, especially I mean, if you don't get a knockoff one and you get an actual authentic one.
1: One of my scores from two years ago, right prior to COVID, was... um I found an Ottawa Senators jersey from 92, 93. Didn't have a name or number on the back. And um, it was 20 bucks. It was a CCM Air Knit. So it's was a 550 series Air Knit jersey. And it had like the, the sewn patches and everything. And yeah. like I said, I'm thinking about getting a name and number on the back. Care to guess who?
0: I probably couldn't even come close
1: you're not paying attention my man their first all-star
0: who's first all-star ottawa's um alexander Dagg. <laughs> <laughs> daniel alfredson peter sudorkovich oh because you said that earlier and i should have been paying attention
1: yeah yeah so i see how it is
0: yeah yeah well I told you before we started, my brain's not functioning completely today. This is true. You did,
1: you did warn me about <laughs> I did, that. I
0: did warn you, so.
1: Okay. So, All-Star Game Uniforms winners. Um, you want to talk about this Golden Knights thing? A Zamborghini.
0: I mean, I just saw this. That's why I brought it up. Okay. So, anybody that watches the show Street Outlaws, I guess on tonight's episode, both on this week's episode, which technically is tonight, they are doing a unveiling of basically they take the Golden Knights lamp uh, Zamboni and they trick the thing out and they turn it into a Zamborghini is what they call it. And so I guess they're going to unveil it tonight. I don't know if it's going to be part of the All-Star Festival or not, but I imagine it will. It looks kind of cool. They show it drag racing in the commercial.
1: Hmm. So. I have to uh, find a, a video to that. You have to
0: put the link to it. I think, I think the NHL network tweeted it out. Uh, I don't know if it was earlier today or maybe yesterday. I think it was yesterday. And, um, yeah. It's pretty cool looking, I think. But a couple of the guys from the show. Basically take it and tear it down and put it back together and turn a Zamboni into a Zamborghini.
1: I wonder if it goes more than five miles an hour.
0: It, if you watch the little video clip, it sure looks like it does.
1: Okay, okay. Because like I
0: said, they drag race it. And it wow. T- it it tears off pretty quick.
1: I don't want to get in front of that. Yeah. Does it so. still work, though? Does it leave like an ice trail behind it?
0: See, that part I don't know. I don't know if they change it and make it completely different, but... It's got big old tires on it, so maybe they can make it convert or something. They can still use it, but like I said, I imagine they'll probably have it at the uh, at the All Star game.
1: You know, that's it's another. In Vegas. Since it's in Vegas, yeah, that yeah. just makes too much sense. Um, you know, um, that's another thing that's really great about hockey. Is hockey's the only sport I can think of that has its own unique vehicle that's unique to it? You know
0: um i don't know would you count the bullpen cart as unique to baseball
1: no isn't that just a golf cart
0: i mean kind of but something up
1: and the football players when they when they cart them off the field after they get hurt um that's just a gator isn't it which is really just a golf cart
0: yeah kind of maybe
1: yeah that's what i mean like i think about like you know um all the sports don't really have a uh, – don't don't have a vehicle. Hockey has a vehicle. And then I think the other thing – another thing that really drew me to hockey as a kid were goalie masks. Even though I was kind of like – I got into hockey when the fiber mask – the fiberglass masks were getting phased out, you know, the Jason-style masks. But still, just cool that, like, goalies had, like, that sense of expression that they can do. And it was funny because, like, when – Um, major league baseball catchers started using what they called the HSM, the hockey-style mask, there was a little while where they were customizing them like hockey goalies, and then they kind of put the kibosh on that really quick because they thought it was, you know, too distracting. You know, oh, your sideburns are too long, or oh, you, you, you put uh, uh, something fun on your catcher's mask and that's a no-no, you know? So like, you know, tuck in your shirt. <laughs> it's just like so like, you know, there's no smiling in baseball, right?
0: Hey, they, they enforce that at at the, uh, the teenage level. Really? Oh, yeah. But we've had, my kids have had plenty of times where they're out on on the field and the umpires like stop the game and make the kids tuck in their tuck in their shirts Mm
1: -hmm. so Hmm.
0: still happens
1: interesting
0: It's preserving the historical significance and the legacy of the game
1: mm
0: -hmm. yeah you buy any of that not at all okay i
1: I don't know um so uh By my count today, 101 goalies have played in the league this year. We're only halfway through.
0: Isn't that ridiculous? So
1: so our average... That's a ridiculous number. Three goalies per team.
0: That is a ridiculous number.
1: It is. But, I mean, if you think about it, you'd have at least 64 goalies play. 32 teams, two goalies per team. Backups are going to always get in at least a couple of games, even the guys who got buried behind Martin Brodeur still got in a few games, maybe three games, but still, you you know what I mean? Like, so you'd have, you know, we could count on 64 goalies playing and then you're going to have your odd injury here and there. But I mean, I think part of it, well, part of it, I think, let me rephrase that. Part of it, not I think, I know absolutely, is because of all of this COVID craziness.
0: I mean, Oh, that's absolutely what it's about.
1: I had two goalies on my fantasy team go down with the... Uh, actually, I think one was injured and the other one had COVID. But it's just... Uh, but then I had another one who had um, COVID. So, and, and it, I'm just talking about just the goalies. I mean, it's it's... I know in the past episode, I think I mentioned that I had something like six or seven guys on my fantasy team that had COVID-19. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, so what do we have going on with goalies? We got a couple of things going on. Um, you have COVID-19. You have the, basically now, I mean, pretty much every goalie is a butterfly style goalie, but now that this has been going on for such a long time, they're really seeing the long-term effects of the this and saying, okay, the human body really shouldn't do this, like this motion, and that's causing a lot of wear and tear. Now, maybe if you're Glenn Hall, who was like one of the first butterfly style goaltenders, you know, you weren't, even though he played like every, you know, he played like 500 and I want to say 502 or 503 consecutive games for the Blackhawks, um, you had less games per season. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, like, you have more games per season, you have goalies making a lot of money, so then the coaches tend to over-rely on that goalie, because they'll say, hey, we got one goalie making league minimum, we got another goalie making $6 million a year, I'm going to start that $6 million a year goaltender four out of five games, and so they got a higher likelihood to get that long-term injury, or even just get injured in a game because they're playing more games. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it it's kind of a foregone conclusion that goalies are at a higher risk of injury now, and not like injury from like a puck or a stick or something because they're so well protected, but just injury from the nature of the style of game that they play now.
0: I I don't want to offend anybody by this, but I can add to that fact too the uh, or the the whole thing too, and I would say that there's a mental aspect of it also, and there's been a much bigger spotlight shined on the mental aspect of sports, and especially the goaltenders, because as we all know, goaltenders are are uh, pretty crazy and known to be very quirky and unique individuals most of the time.
1: Are they so, though anymore? So much. I think
0: so. I think so. Guys still talk about how goalies are kind of weird. They're they're like a different different breed of, of guy. I mean, come on, you've got to be to to want to strap on some padding and stand there and just be shot at for an hour. They're I, not
1: shooting at you; they're shooting around you.
0: Well, I mean,
1: there is something oddly satisfying about stopping somebody else's shot.
0: There is. I mean, I played goalie, so. I mean, i I enjoyed playing goalie, but I'm also crazy. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: there you go. I'm just using my own situation as an example. So but, we have but have lot. you looked at have you looked at like historically how how some of these seasons have gone? Because I was going back on some of the statistics on how many goalies were used, you know year in and year out, and like from nineteen ninety until two thousand. That Mm -hmm. whole decade averaged about 76 goalies per season. So you think about that. So about two and a half goalies per team. So from 2000, what, we have five additional teams since Mm then? Mm -hmm. One, two, three, four, five. No, six additional teams, I think, since 2000. So you add six teams, and if your roster carries at least two goalies... We'll even push it and say three. That's another 18 goalies. So 76 plus another 18, you're looking at, you know, 94. 94. So if you adjust for that, you're talking 94 goalies in a season. Mm-hmm. Well, we're already past that, and it's only halfway through. So, And I like, think a
1: third of those are Buffalo Sabres goalies because... Right.
0: Yeah, I don't think you're wrong on that.
1: They're going down like dominoes. I mean, they they brought back uh, as a backup uh, Michael Hauser, the guy who played four games last season after not playing any games for like a year.
0: There was one game last week where I saw before the game, um, Pekka Lukkonen was supposed to be the starter, and I flipped over to the game, and I see Malcolm Subban in that. I'm like, mm-hmm. what the heck happened? and you know it was just another one of them things and Subban got hurt but he finished the game yeah so it's just interesting to see how many how many goalies have been called up and you know even rookie you know rookie goalies that generally don't get a lot of opportunities i mean look who just played for uh the hurricanes um uh, they brought in Jack Lafontaine mm-hmm. was it like last week or week before and um I mean, he was playing. He's playing for the University of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. He had to come in and, and start, or not start, but he had to come in in relief. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just crazy. And then we have Tuka Rask back, who hasn't played in a whole
1: year—ah, uh, six months.
0: That's a year in goalie to, in goalie year.
1: Oh, okay, true. But uh, I'm actually very happy for Tuka Rask. Had that hip surgery. He recovered. He's better. He said he only wanted to play for the Bruins. Looked like the Bruins were going to move on. Um, I mean, they, they signed Linus Allmark, and then they have Jeremy Swayman. And, yeah, but don't uh, you
0: feel bad for those guys now? What's going to happen to Swayman? Is he going to get dropped down to the AHL squad?
1: Don't know. Well, I mean, right now they can carry three goalies, and they probably should considering how crazy things are. Yeah, but I yeah,
0: just feel bad. These guys kind of moved up and earned their spots, and now, uh, oh, sorry, our guy's back. You got to take a back seat.
1: Yeah, but you know, Rask is only thirty-four years old. He's the all-time uh, leader for the Bruins and wins, and uh, I want to say, I can't remember if it's save percentage or goals allowed average, but. Um, he's he's i mean he's he's 34 and he's basically the best goalie that ever played for them statistically speaking i mean you can argue that other goalies were better you know maybe like a jerry Cheevers, but
0: um I'll oh, see there you go way back i was just going to say tim thomas
1: ah uh, yeah you know thomas thomas is an interesting dude and actually i looked him up the other day cuz i wanted to see how old thomas was when he played for the bruins and he was uh, 37 before he moved on, um, and so I mean he was able to play at a high level, you know, in you know at 37. So I could see Tuukka Rask playing a couple more years for the Bruins, easy. I mean, if he, you know, can play at that high level, I mean, then you have you know like your your legends like like a Patrick Waugh and like a Dominic Hasek who can play in their 40s, you know, or a Tony Esposito who played till he was like, I want to say like 42 or 44 or something. I mean, this, this does happen. I mean, especially with that position um, more so than the other ones, it seems. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't think Rask is done.
0: No, I mean, he's clearly showed that he can still play. I mean, his first game in, he he won the game out. I mean, I don't want to discount it at all, but they were playing the Flyers, so.
1: Yeah, three to two win is a three to two win. That's a hockey score. I mean, that's a win.
0: He had 25 saves. And I I think there was, I think there was a whole period where the Flyers had two shots on goal.
1: Yeah, I think it took like seven minutes or something for them to get their first shot on net or something. It it was something
0: ridiculous. Yeah, but they were playing with like half of an AHL team and a couple guys they found in the parking lot that had skates in their trunk. So,
1: Oh, my God. Dude, there was a, uh, changing the subject a little here, but there was a Saturday Night Live skit from uh, this past weekend where it, it was. Uh, so you're the one. I'm the one.
0: Yeah, you're the one that still watches that show.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I DVR it, and then I'll just watch it the next day over breakfast with some coffee. I so know. um there was a skit. And you know how um, uh, Keenan Thompson plays uh, Charles Barkley. Like whenever they do any sort of NBA uh, yeah. joke, so they did the the NBA on TNT, and they they had him as they had Keenan Thompson as um, Charles Barkley, and then they had uh, Bowen Yang as Yao Ming. And Bowen and Yang is like a short dude. So they just had him standing and they had put him in like a really big shirt and a really tall, uh, uh like a, a tall suit jacket. But he's standing at the table, but it's made to look like he's sitting. And, and he's just like, the other team looks very small to me. And so anyways, the joke was, was that the Brooklyn Nets were playing the Sacramento Kings, but the whole team tested positive for COVID. So they just grabbed a bunch of people from the audience to play. To play for the Kings, <laughs> and like, one guy was like the team's like assistant trainer or something, and then like another one was just like a lady who was just a fan, and then and then he's like, they're interviewing her, and they're like, well, I understand that you got uh you got uh you got a you got a fall for uh, trying to take a, a selfie with Blake Griffin. You know, <laughs> she's like, well, you know, you know, it was, it was funny because it was like they were losing like 172 to one. And uh, she so was, it was the like only
0: a Trotters Generals game.
1: Yeah. And it was funny because she, they're like, well, you're the only one who scored for Sacramento. She's like, yeah, a free throw. And it was underhanded. And it was just dude, it was just so freaking funny how they just had to fill a team with like just whoever they can find.
0: I mean, um, Honestly, with sports like it is now, we're not. It's not that (laughs) far-fetched.
1: Yeah, and then you got to wonder, what are you paying for? If I pay to see the Penguins and Crosby and Malkin are sick, I'm pissed.
0: Yeah, but as a fan, you have to know that's what we're living with here.
1: I get it, but, I mean, at the same time, teams don't offer discounts when their best players are out of the lineup.
0: No, absolutely not. But the fan has to be a smarter fan and be like, okay, you know, these 17 guys are not going to be there. So Mm -hmm. do I really want to go out there and watch the three healthy guys from the third line and the backup goalie sit on the bench? No. So I won't go to the game. Right. But yeah, I mean that's a choice you gotta make and you gotta figure that out on your own as a fan. And I mean heck there's still some places where you can't like Canada. Right. For instance. And there's a lot of places that have mask mandates in order to be inside. And people just won't won't wear them. So you got that to deal with. So I mean there's a lot of factors to this, but yeah, I could see that skit coming true.
1: You know, one thing that um I I talked about uh in a blog post I wrote earlier this week. I do uh since um uh Blake Isaacs has stepped away from writing and he doesn't do his uh Blake's takes column anymore, I've kind of taken over the reins on that, but I call it snapshots. And so um, one of my snapshots was taking a look at the uh, Olympic team roster for Team USA. And I'd rather talk about the Olympics another day. But what I just want to point out really quick is something that I thought about was one of their goalies is um, he's like the best goalie in the Swedish. They call it the Swedish Hockey League. It used to be the Swedish Elite League. Um, and I'm thinking that like, you know, you're gonna have like a lot of KHL guys, you're gonna have a lot of AHL guys, and uh, Team USA is like 15 guys who are currently collegiate players. And so I'm thinking that the NHL is definitely gonna be scouting these Olympics since it's gonna be non-NHL players, and since the rosters are getting depleted, heck yeah, I'd want to have a scout there and say, hey, who who can we sign? You know, who played really well? I think of like um Remember when Germany um, pushed the uh, Olympic athletes of Russia uh, to overtime in the gold medal game? And even though Germany Germany lost that game, um, they, they had a really strong showing. And one of the players who ended up with an NHL contract after that was Dominic Cahoon, who has since not, he's not in the NHL anymore, but he was in the NHL for about four or five years. Well, let's see, eighteen to twenty-two. So nope, maybe not even four years. Three years. And you know, he played with Chicago, and didn't he go to Pittsburgh?
0: Um, the big
1: Kahuna, Dominic Cahun? sounds about Cahoon, right. Yeah, Kahuna yeah.
0: in Pittsburgh for a minute.
1: Yeah, for a minute. So I'm, I'm, and I'm not saying this is like a, a groundbreaking like transaction that happened, but I'm just saying it's, it's not uncommon to see guys do well in international tournaments and then end up on an NHL roster. I mean, look at
0: uh, Brian Boyle. Well, and I think there's plenty of guys in this mix. I mean, not counting the ones that have already been drafted. Obviously, you got people on Team USA like Matty Beneers. Right. Um, who's already got a home. But I, I, not to keep talking about it, but I saw the roster list too, and some names that popped out to me, like, um, you know, Nick Shore was on the list. Mm-hmm um you know Steve Steve Camper was on the list mm-hmm. I mean these are na- these are NHL players I haven't heard their names spoken in many many a moon right and we only know
1: them because they're all in the we KHL needed, we needed their young gun at one time or another to finish a set
0: that's the thing they're all in the KHL so it's right like, pff, there's no rule against KHL not going so here's american players that can jump on jump on a roster. Right. <clears throat> so you never know. There might be a diamond in the rough there and one of these guys may get their audition to come back.
1: So Eric Stahl.
0: I was gonna say speaking of auditions.
1: Yep, PTO with the Iowa Wild.
0: Yeah. And that's I I think that's what all signs are pointing to is he's looking to get Signed to an AHL roster so that he can be considered for Team Canada. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, more power to him if he can, you know, if he can hang, right?
1: Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think it's always... Uh, I mean, the Olympics are not what they were 40, 50 years ago. And they're not even what they were eight years ago. So, I mean... You know, in the 70s, they, you know, teams gradually, not counting the Soviet Union, because those were professionals, even though they didn't call them professionals. Um, But like, you know, by the late 70s, you had um, Canada was even adding like former professional players to its national team. And then I want to say like, even like the Miracle on Ice players i think there were a couple of guys who had i think a might have even had a little bit of minor league experience before he played for team usa in 1980 so i mean at that point they weren't really amateurs anymore they were just there were some minor pro guys in there um but then you look at like the 92 team uh i'm gonna talk about the u.s team i mean the russian excuse me the canadian team had lindros that year um but the American team had Mo Mantha, who had played in the NHL for like, I don't know, eight or 10 years or something like that. And he was on the 92 Olympic team. So, I mean, you have, there are. Uh, long time penguin. Yeah. So there are um, instances where, or not, I don't say instances because that makes it sound like just once in a blue moon. There are repeated examples of players who had played in the NHL a long time and then they end up on an Olympic roster, you know years sure. later
0: so yeah and i think you'll see that with once team canada finalizes their roster and figures out who's going there because i think the other names i heard toss around like i heard josh hosang's name mm-hmm. he hasn't been in the nhl for a little while i heard devin Dubnik's name thrown around for team i'd be canada. good i mean these are guys that don't have an nhl contract so technically they're not they're not under the guise of the we're not going to the Olympics, rule. So right. So it'll be interesting to see if um, it make it. It will make me wonder is if they can clear a roster spot for him on the a- AHL team, or if they do it for the simple purpose of so that he can get put on Team Canada. And then, do they have to keep him on the roster spot? is there a rule that they have to if he doesn't technically make the team but they want to put him on team canada
1: pto is like a, a, a limited sometimes it's like three games sometimes it's like five games so it's not like a, a full season contract
0: so yeah PTO, but it's a paid tryout and then that, i mean that's what brian boyle had in pittsburgh they right invited him to camp said we'll put you here on a pto and then he outperformed what they thought he would do and so they signed him to an actual right. season contract I mean, the same thing can happen here. But if they, let's say, they give him a PTO, say we're going to make this like, however long, he goes makes Team Canada, gets, goes and plays with them, comes back, and then they're like, "Oh, sorry, your PTO's up. We don't have any room for you," so that cool. he just gets his one one last chance or one last shot at a uh, at a medal, thirty at thirty-seven. And Who then cares? It comes to an end. Yeah. I, mean, I don't have a problem with it. I'm just if wondering if that's what they're doing.
1: If you're the Iowa Wild, you're you're the farm team for the Minnesota Wild. So as we've seen, a lot of players have been called up because of COVID. You have the taxi squads which are basically uh, denying AHL rosters six of their players, sometimes six of their best players, who could just kind of hang out with the parent club in case they need to fill in on a moment's notice. So you are gonna need players. So if somebody like Eric Stahl comes to my team and wants to like start playing, I would be like, Yeah, man, you've played in the NHL a long time. You know, you're a former team captain, a former all-star. Play, you know, play on our team. You know, we could use you for five games, because guess what? We got nine guys called up to the wild right now. Um, and then if he ends up on the Olympic team, I would say is if I was like an Olympic coach, and especially with the rules uh, that the way Olympic rosters are built now, I would want somebody like that with that experience, even if they were getting fourth line minutes. I mean, you have somebody who played that long in the NHL. I mean, just the level of experience and knowledge that they can add to the roster. I mean, you can't measure that. And I mean, especially since like, these Olympic rosters are bigger. They're like 25-player rosters. So, I mean, it's not just like 18-2. and two. Like, if you remember in the Miracle on Ice movie, Miracle, um, where they were talking about cutting Jack O'Callaghan because he had that leg injury, and it's like, well, if we don't, you know, if we cut you, we can bring in another defenseman, but if we keep you, then we can only have five defensemen in a game until you get better, you know what I mean? It's not like, you know, now you can have, you know, you're 18 skaters, you're two goalies, and an extra five guys who could fill in if somebody gets hurt.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he's already, I think he's already played a couple games. I think he played against the Wolves the other day. Mm. But uh, I don't know, we'll see. Like I said, Canada hasn't announced their roster yet. They're still trying to chisel away it they're going to put on it
1: now uh let's let's change the subject to some hobby news because i think you want to retract something that you said in the prior episode would you like to use this uh would you like to use this opportunity now to retract your statement that you made in the uh, prior episode something that had to do with the credibility of a certain company that applies their branded shrink wrap to boxes of trading cards
0: yeah, I mean, if you guys that listen to the show, if you remember, we talked about the whole, what's his name, Logan Paul, Pokemon thing. Logan Paul thing and his Pokemon and all cards. That, and whether or not the credibility of Baseball Card Exchange would be on the line for even grading or authenticating that thing as being real in the first place if it did turn out to be fake. Well, guess what, people? It was fake.
1: Right, and they so opened
0: look- it live on camera.
1: Why don't you, you want to summarize that?
0: I mean, essentially, it boils down to a typical, what I was shown by my children is a typical, very well-produced video, which made me think that there's no way this is real. But I guess all of his videos were like that. But anyway, he came to Chicago. He's in a hotel room. He brings in the guy that he bought the box from. And they're looking at the box and... Talking about it, and he's like, "Hey, if this turns out to be fake, am I going to get my money back?" And essentially, the guy's like, "Yeah, you'll get your money back." Um, but yeah, I think it's real. And then they go as far as bringing in the owner of Baseball Card Exchange and another guy. I didn't recognize the other guy in the video, but um, and they go through the whole process of, "Hey, how did you authenticate this? What what did you look for?" You know, what did you what did you see that made you think that this was legit? And Steve talks about the different things that he looks for on a box or a case when he tries to authenticate it based off of what it is and the time frame and everything else. And he even said, I we don't do Pokemon cards. Um, but you know, here's what I know. And he just simply went off his experience in quotes of authenticating sports cards um obviously not realizing that this thing was completely fake like i mean there's no ifs ands or buts about it and and we all knew that no i shouldn't say we all knew that it had been exposed that this thing has was fake and had been floating around for many years changing hands from occasion and all sorts of pokemon experts had reached out and said this isn't real and here's why and explained it and in very very fine detail so long story short they go through the whole thing and they decide you know what we're going to open it they cut the box open pull out one of the boxes slice that one open and what's in it it's filled with 1991 Impel GI Joe packs filled with it not a pokemon card to be found hilarious so, um so yeah and, and so here's the thing a lot of people don't have any sympathy for the guy they they don't like logan paul they don't like what he stands for, or what he represents, the whole idea of, you know, fake celebrity and, you know, being a quote unquote influencer type person and all that kind of stuff. And let, let's take all of that out of it. Let's take let's take all of that out of it and just look at this as a simple transaction. Somebody knowingly sold fake product to somebody else who then thought it was real and sold it to somebody else who then thought it was real and sold it to somebody else and so on and so forth down the line to the point where somebody else buys it knowingly or unknowingly that it was real has somebody else who they think is an expert authenticate it as being real. And then it changes hands a couple more times to the point where it becomes a three and a half million dollar. Let's use the word asset. Mm -hmm. There's a bigger issue here, a way bigger issue. And it's something that we touched on in the, in the last show. And one of those issues is, namely, credibility. And it's credibility of everybody involved. You got to know who you're buying stuff from, especially when you get to th- something that's as rare and as controversial as that. I mean, because even they were saying in the beginning, this is the only one in the whole world. Well, if there's only one in the whole world, how can you even possibly begin to authenticate it when there's nothing else to compare it to?
1: But there was there's but there two was. other
0: examples. Right. And that's the thing that the Pokemon experts and stuff pointed out was there are other examples. So no, you're not correct. This isn't the only one. And you know, here's why this one isn't real. And you know, go through all the steps and stuff. So A, you're not doing your research. B, you can't really trust anybody. And see, authentication of anything simply boils down to somebody's opinion. If they look at something and they say, you know what, I think this is real. Or, you know what, I think this isn't real. That's really all it comes down to. And do you really want to gamble like that? I mean, obviously some people do. I certainly am not. But whether it's a three and a half million dollar case of original Pokemon cards that are actually G.I. Joe, or whether it's a, you know, a twenty dollar card that I'm really looking to buy, but it's so rare. And I look at it and I'm like, yeah, I think this is I don't think this is real because it shouldn't be twenty dollars. It should be two hundred dollars. So, you know. I'm not willing to take those kind of risks. Obviously, there's people out there that are, but, you know, that's not me. So So, my statement that I made that I didn't think Baseball Card Exchange was going to take a hit on this, that was before we saw the video Mm -hmm. of him saying after after they opened the whole thing up and he's sitting there just completely dumbfounded and he just turns to everybody and he's like, well, I guess we all got duped. I mean sure, what else is he going to say? I would have said nothing. At least until the camera was turned off. You know what I mean? Yes. But, I mean uh, I mean obviously they're going to get they're going to get raked for this. And I mean it is what it is. You know, they they immediately took to Twitter and made a statement and to Instagram and their website and everything else and they made a statement about it once that video hit and they basically said hey look this was our best estimate and our best guess we're by no means experts when it comes to pokemon and for that reason we're not doing pokemon Oh, magic we're not doing any of that anymore
1: but they should have done their homework in the first place and they didn't i oh, mean of course. i can Absolutely. i can look at something and say yeah this tape is 20 years old it doesn't mean that it's the original tape it just i could look and say yeah this tape has aged look at how it's aged and look at the bends in the box and and and, and this well, and that and the fact creases. that he
0: was he focused on the the lines of the cardboard being embedded into the shipping label and that's the silliest thing i've ever heard because as we talked about before that shipping label is a thermal label and anybody who has any experience with any type of shipping knows that it doesn't take more than a very little bit of pressure right on a thermal label to cause it to show.
1: Yeah. When I fold you up can a take receipt thermal
0: when you can use your fingernail and write on it.
1: When when I fold up a receipt and put it in my wallet, put it in my pocket, forget about it for a week, then I empty my pocket and my wallet and find that receipt and I unfold it and it has the lines of where I folded in, into it, like right. pressed or into you, the receipt.
0: Or you take a thermal receipt and you leave it on the dashboard of your car. The next time you go out to your car, it's probably going to be black. Yep. So I mean, yeah, that just the whole way the whole way that went down, and I watched that, and I, all I thought was, "Man, I said some stupid things on our last show that I want to I want to retract all of it."
1: Well, you didn't know how he was going to react if they <laughs> no, were reading. So no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I want to throw out a few things here. A couple things I just want to say about this. So first of all, um, I don't like to see anybody taken advantage of or anybody get duped out of money. It's it's hard to feel sorry for somebody who can, you know, throw around three and a half million dollars on cards because I mean he was just doing it to have this showpiece. Oh, I'm the only one who has this. There's only one in existence. Right. And so he didn't even know what he was talking about. Well, um, oh, and that's was, why I
0: said, you know, regardless of what you feel about him, if you ignore all that part of it and just look at the bigger picture here,
1: yeah, it's it's pretty terrible. So, um, I started laughing as soon as I saw um, saw it, them open. So they open the box and then they see the the Pokemon boxes. They open the case and then they see the Pokemon boxes and they go, the wrapping around the box doesn't look right. Like it looks loose. Like the the the, the top of the box was kind of loose it wasn't like a nice tight shrink wrap around the boxes yeah and so the one
0: put, guy grabs one and it collapses yeah did you see that
1: yeah and then they they cut it open and they dump it out and it's full of gi joe packs at first i thought they were pro set football packs so i started laughing my ass off then when they're like they're gi joe packs i started laughing even harder because Okay, so the 1991 G.I. Joe set from Impel, I have that set complete. I like it. It's a nice set. Um, I remember in the early to mid-90s, you can get a full box of those at KB Toys for, like, I want to say $5.99 a box. And I want to say I opened a box, and I made at least one set. Maybe I made two sets. I can't remember. But I remember that, like, Pro Set Hockey Series 1 and, like, Pro Set Football, Impel GI Joe cards, uh WCW wrestling cards. I remember KB would just have stacks of these boxes and they'd be like $4.99 to $6.99 a box. And I would just I, you know, I'd want something to open that was cheap, you know, um mega metal cards, that was another one that was like dirt cheap. So I would say mega that metal. even I
0: don't remember that one.
1: Mega metal, yeah. There was mega metal and there was uh rock cards. Um and so anyway um the uh, my guess is that this case was probably tampered with 20 years ago. I would I don't think this is something that somebody made recently. I think this well maybe because that that shipping label should be faded. Should be the ink should be brown instead of black. But I
0: don't disagree with that.
1: I think like if I was going to fill if you were going to fill a case with cards right now, what 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 can you get that's pretty cheap that you could probably fill a case with? I would think of like a Panini product, like a score, like score football or score hockey or something, right? That's what I would, if, if I was just going to, if I needed to fill something with junk, right?
0: 91, 92 stadium club hockey.
1: Mm, well, those don't have the same shape. They don't have those like packs that are crimped on the top and the bottom. I'm talking about that's like true. if you.
0: Those are cellophane wrapped.
1: So what I'm thinking is like if I was going to if it's 1999 and I'm taking the Pokemon cards out of the box and I'm going to put other cards in there I would say that those G.I. Joe cards are still pretty easy to find in like 1999. They were probably still floating around for about five bucks a box. Yeah. Yeah. I mean if they were, you know what I mean, they would have been I mean, I even remember in, like the late 90s buying like Pro Set hockey cards for like five bucks a box. They'd walk into like a comic book store and they'd have like a box of Pro Set Series 2 French for like $5 and I'd buy it. Oh yeah, it's just fun, whatever. 90s um,
0: score also.
1: That's another one. Yeah, so I, I just think that like that's, that's era appropriate. Um, now, what I want to know is at what point like who has to guarantee the product because and this is what i mean so logan paul bought the case from a friend and that friend is giving him back his three and a half million dollars but then his friend wants to get back his 2.7 million dollars from the guys that he bought the case from and the guys that he bought the case from and i'm not going to mention their names here but um the story's
0: out there you guys can go find it
1: they're not giving up they're they're not giving back that money but they're also the guys that got the case authenticated so i guess the thing is like how far back let me say let's say for instance let's say i have a a graded mario lemieux rookie card let's say i sell you this card i sell you this card for 500 bucks you turn around you sell that graded mario lemieux card for a thousand dollars and then that person doesn't feel so good about this card, and he he turns around and he gets it regraded. I got it slabbed by Beckett. He takes it to PSA. PSA says, nah, this is not a real card, and this is why, and we're not sure how it got graded by Beckett. Maybe it didn't get graded by Beckett. Maybe I bought it from somebody else who sold it to me graded. So then that guy says to you, hey Tim, this card is fake. I want my $1000 back. You go, okay, I'm very sorry. You give back back $1000. But then you turn to me and you say, Hey, I gave you $500 for that card, and you sold me a fake card. Well, now do I have to pay you back your $500 because the guy that you sold the card to is unhappy with it? Like, once you have ownership of the thing, do you have responsibility to that thing, or am I beholden to pay you back that $500? And then do I have to go and then find the guy who got the card graded? And I probably that probably be the that's probably the weak link in the chain is whoever got it graded
0: because yeah. I think this um, becomes, it becomes a legal issue at that point. Right. And you're going to have to have a fleet of lawyers that are willing to take on something like this that may not go anywhere.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I just, I just wonder, uh, I just wonder like, uh, at, at what point is who is ultimately responsible?
0: I mean, on a moral level, everyone is. But we all know that people in this hobby don't have morals. So no, not every day.
1: Why don't you talk about uh, a good segue into morals? Um, I don't know. We yeah. have two things that actually <laughs> uh, either of these would fit. Which one do you want to talk about next?
0: Well, the latest thing that's been on people's minds, because it just happened over the weekend, is the, the arrests that were made at the Dallas Card Show. And again, we're talking about stuff that's not necessarily hockey-related, but
1: I mean it's, it's part of the ho- it's
0: part of the hobby, and it and it is impactful. Um, but a um, couple of guys were arrested for selling fraudulent, not only fraudulent slabs, but the cards were fake that were in the slabs too. Now some of their supporters. And I use that term loosely because I think this is part of a bigger scheme with more people involved. um, We're trying to say that the cards weren't fake, but the slabs definitely were PSA verified that they were, they pulled the certs on them, but they sold these cards to somebody else at the show who thought they were weird and went and got them looked at. And they were like, these are fake and essentially went and told on them. I guess, and Good. the promoter of the show, or somebody of that ilk—I don't—I don't know the, the, all the details, but essentially, shut the doors and locked them. This was during the Saturday night trade, trade thing mm-hmm. that they had trade night. Shut the doors and locked them. It was basically like nobody's coming in or out until we sort this mess out. I
2: should. And
0: so another guy that was there, I guess. Saw who the guys were that pulled off this little heist and was like, those are the same guys at one of the Florida shows that sold me these fake, fake cards that had already been identified as fake with fake slabs and everything else. So now here's two different instances of these guys being accused of doing this. So police take a statement. They find these guys. One of them tries to run at one point. And gets tackled and put in cuffs. So, essentially, the guy at this show got his money back and didn't press charges because he got his money back. Right. Well, the guy in Florida still has to deal with his issue, but it's a Florida issue because it happened in Florida. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So, he has to do everything, and I guess he already opened a case with the police, and but didn't have any information about the guys. Now he knows who the guys are. Right. So now he can pin that on these two. And I guess other people, some other people got involved that know more about spotting fakes and everything else. And I guess this even increased because as they were working on pulling together the research on why these cards were fake, they found out that these guys hit somebody else at the las vegas show not too long ago so now here's three instances of the same perpetrators you should if you find the videos you guys got to look at these videos if you haven't seen them yet there's all sorts of angles of people because everybody has their phones and at these card shows i mean how many people are they have their video blogs and their YouTube Mm -hmm. channels and their Insta channels and their TikToks and everything else. And everything's going at once. Everybody's got their multimedia going. And so there's multiple angles and videos floating around out there of the whole thing as it goes down. And the, the, the peanut gallery and the crowds yelling all kinds of stuff at these guys. And it's, it's something else. And especially, I don't, they're talking to the one dude, and he's fighting them, right? He's fighting the cops. Like, he's he's moving around and, like, not letting them. They're like, stop resisting. Stop resisting. They say it, like, three or four times, and the guy just takes off. <laughs> but we had a giant crowd of people. He didn't make it very far. So. I thought they uh, just shoot on sight
1: in Texas. I didn't know they uh, well. There's a <clears bunch throat> did the whole rights there. thing.
0: Well, there's a bunch of people there, yeah. Oh, uh, the. They pulled a gun on him. He, they didn't pull a gun. The one guy pulled out his taser, and he didn't even use it. So hmm. they just tackled him and cuffed him, and that was that was the end of that. But so I mean, so there's some there's that that happened, and then earlier, I don't know if it was last week or over the weekend or something. Um, the the backyard breaks guys.
1: Backyard are, breaks.
0: Yeah, that are complete lunatics, if you ask me had some kind of like free break or something like that and they were giving away cards out of packs and so it was like okay so and so gets in the chat room gets this pack and so and so gets this pack and you know the guy that they were like okay this is his pack they ended up hitting one of those big kaboom cards out of panini and it was like a trevor lawrence gold one numbered out of 10 which they were freaking out because they think it's a $20,000 card. And they're like, we're not giving this away. Even though they were said that it was giving it away. And it became this whole big deal. And then they eventually gave it away to other followers, which that was shady too, I guess. And there's many, many, many questions as to whether or not the guy that they did eventually give it to is one of their... Um, lackeys I guess and and sympathizers but they're getting I mean they're just getting drugged through the mud because of this whole thing and look we say it all the time do your research do your research whether it's you're looking for a card to buy and it's something that you got to figure out whether it's real or fake whether it's these slabs are too good to be true Whether or not this Jordan card looks like it's a fake or this Mario Lemieux rookie or Wayne Gretzky rookie looks like a fake. Because there's tons of them out there. Do your research before you go into something. And if you're going to get into breaks with, with people, do your research. You know, watch their break videos. Talk to people that have been in them. Just Don't just blindly jump into stuff because you don't know what you're getting yourself into. You really don't.
1: Well, it's crummy that they said that. Oh, he's going to get whatever cards are in this pack, and then they backpedaled because they got a good card. So shame on them. It wasn't a paid break; it was free. It was. If he had paid money for it, and then they they pulled that, that'd be ten. You know, that'd be twenty times, fifty times, a hundred times worse because that's what you're paying for. If I'm paying for, you know. Whatever team, and then you pull a great card of that, and go, oh yeah, you can't do that because it's paid. Um, I see your point. Don't it's offer, just the
0: credibility thing overall. Don't though,
1: offer to give away stuff that you aren't prepared to give away. I yeah, mean,
0: that's true. Too. Honestly,
1: like I've done giveaways through Puck Junk, and I've never given away anything that I didn't feel comfortable parting with. I mean. Uh, two years ago, 2019, we did a hockey trade night. It was um, it was uh, me, it was uh, Slab, the guy from Slab Stocks, Aaron, and uh, the guy from Trees Collectibles, Mark Petrie. So me, Trees, and Aaron um, did a hockey trade night. And I had all this stuff that I wanted to get rid of. So I brought it for a raffle because I said free raffle because I knew a raffle would draw in people. And also it was great for me to get rid of stuff that I had lying around that I didn't need. I mean, do I really need to have five extra sets of 87, 88 OPG leaders? No. Do I really need to have, um, I bought one of those Stratomatic hockey games from the 70s. Don't know why I bought it. Didn't like it. Didn't like looking at it. Took up a lot of space. Um, The guy who got that in the raffle, actually his son took it. The dad told the son, if you win, please get that for me. And the son got picked first and he ran up and grabbed the thing. And I looked at him and he was like all of like eight years old. And I'm like, you really want that? He goes, oh, my dad wants this. And then the dad was practically jumping for joy. Like, oh my God, I had one of these when I was a kid. And oh, this is so great. And thank you so much, right? Like I, I, or if I've done giveaways on Twitter, um, you know, I've given away cards, maybe worth a couple of bucks and just say, hey, who wants these? Who wants one? You know, pick one.
0: But have you given away a card that's worth $20,000?
1: No, but the thing is, is that I wouldn't give away a sealed pack of cards without knowing what's in it, because that's not my business. Yeah. My business is to talk about cards. I don't want to say to tell you what to buy, but to talk about what I like buying, what I like about collecting. And actually, I want to re- read something really quick, because this is a good time to 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 just squish this in. I was talking to one of our listeners earlier, um, a fellow that I met back in November uh, by the name of Rosh. He's from the Philippines, but he's visiting family. He's in Chicago, uh, currently visiting family, and he came to the show in November. And he said to me, a compliment he paid me today on Instagram. We talked about the, the podcast, and he said, I listened to some of the episodes. I really like how you show there is more to hockey cards than young guns so um, you know I mean that's the thing is that we people like the fact that we talk about stuff and not just like oh these are the 10 most valuable hockey cards that you can get right now in a pack of whatever right like um, but yeah I I think if you give away a card and you don't know what that card is yet and it turns out to be worth a lot of money then you got to Yeah, you got to Not only do you have to honor that, but you got to get hella publicity out of that. See, they're doing they did it all wrong. They need they would need to blow this up. I would I would then this is where I would start advertising, like putting money and saying, hey, we're the guys who gave away the $20,000 card to one of our youtube subscribers or one of our twitch subscribers or one of our instagram subscribers right how much press would they get from that can you imagine the hobby blowing up about this humble little breaker guys who got this card and they said they were going to give it away and they did i would make a big freaking deal about that instead they did the opposite thing and they made it 10 times worse
0: Oh, I, I preached to the choir here.
1: No, I know. I'm just. They, just, they, could have,
0: just... Re- they could have taken five minutes and remedied the situation, but it was all on video. Yep. Them backpedaling and making the decision on camera that they weren't going to give that away. And yep. then they tried to play it off as, well, we never said we were giving that card away. And the guy didn't even, he didn't think that he won that card. And then there's like retraction videos and videos of them talking to the supposed guy that, won the card but didn't really win the card and it's just a big mess and then of course the guy that eventually did win it that everybody think is a plant and one's their one of their friends he decides to um post it online and brag about it that he now has it and he's in possession of it and everybody's like you got this today he's like yep like well, today's a holiday. There's no mail, so how yeah. the heck did you get it today? And he's like, oh, I flew down there and got it. And you know, here's my, here's my plane. Here's a picture of my plane ticket and all this. It's just dumb. The whole thing is the whole thing is dumb and it's silly. And again, it just plays to the credibility of some people. And I don't know. Maybe the whole thing was staged to just to get people to talk about them. I mean, that could be too. Who knows?
1: I know they say there's no such thing as bad publicity, but I don't think that applies with cards because I'm seeing a lot of bad publicity in a lot of these things and none of it feels great.
0: Yeah, I was just saying today, I'm like so many, so many negative things are going on. It's like I just. I want to back off for a while and just be like. Just let everybody kill each other and then just come in afterward and go back to doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So.
1: Okay, so let's end the show with some talk about hockey cards. So I'm just going to spit out a few dates here of upcoming things. We got Opeechee coming out January 26th, one day before my birthday. If anybody wants wants to know what to get me for my birthday on January 27th, well, Opeechee comes out on January 26th. Just saying, just saying, not saying, but saying. At least it um, does
0: right now until they cancel it and move it to like July.
1: Until, yeah, July. <laughs> you know, here are all the best holdover rookies from, from two years ago or la- whatever. Uh, we got the Star Rookie box set coming out February 23rd. Um, Again, we got, these are
0: tentative dates.
1: Tentative dates. We got something called SP Signature Edition. You'll talk more about that in a minute, coming out sometimes in February. And then we got 2122 Upper Deck Ice which is allegedly coming out June of 2022. However, they're going to include a pack of 2021 ice as a bonus pack in a box of 2022 ice, which I think is kind of a fun solution where like, I mean, I've seen that in the past. It seems like ice is always that set that gets canceled and then they always throw a bonus pack. I've gotten more, I've probably gotten more bonus packs of ice in other products than I have of actually buying box or pack of ice um
0: yeah a couple years they were in the black diamond boxes
1: that's right yeah and i ended up with the the good uh good stack of them that way but um yeah i guess if you already have the cards printed and produced but you just don't you just can't get them out in time then yeah then i guess you just make them a bonus pack i mean
0: i here's the here's the here's the thing about that though yep They're making the announcement and they're talking about it now. And they're making it part of the advertising for the product, saying that, hey, we're even going to include this. It's going to be a bonus pack. It's going to be extra. And it's not going to count as the hits in the box. It's an extra pack of something else. Unlike the thing that everybody gets up in arms in every year, and that's all of those, I don't even know if they call them buybacks, but, you know, know, peachy platinum, where there's all of those autos, Mm-hmm. That are the previous year or prior, and they count as hits.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In fact, not only are they hits, they're case hits.
1: Uh, and they're probably of guys who have already moved on to the KHL.
0: And there, a lot of them are. Yes, that's exactly it. They're like rookie rookie auto autographs of guys that I mean, aren't <laughs> you know aren't top tier probably aren't even second or third tier in some cases. Mm -hmm. And those are considered case hits and stuff. And those aren't readily talked about, you know, because they're part of the, they're part of the hit cycle and they're buried on the, I don't want to say they're buried on the checklist, but they're buried on the, the odds list. So it's, I mean, again, it goes back to the, you have to do your research of the product you're buying, but, at the same time it's not something that they focus on and then you turn around and find out that potentially case hits in this product is product from the previous year or previous two years in some cases and don't get me wrong there are some good but a lot of those rookies like you said they've moved on they've become unproven they came up played a couple games got sent back down and it might be a couple years before you see them again. So, if at all. Yeah. So, at least in this case, they're saying, hey, we got rid of this product, but we have it, so we're going to put it out there, and it's going to be bonus. It's going to be extra. So, I like that. I don't mind that.
1: Well, and this is good because Upper Deck does something. Fans react poorly to it. So, then they change how they do things from that on, on the next product. And I think that's okay.
0: I think the the platinum thing though, it happens every year. It has for the last few years. So they haven't, that part they haven't changed, <laughs> but at least for ice, th- this is, this is kind of cool.
1: And with platinum, you're game. talking about putting hits from prior, uh, prior years product, yeah, prior yeah. product. Okay.
0: Yeah. And, and counting it as the hit.
1: Yeah. That's a little disappointing.
0: Kind of like, kind of how we feel about the, uh, the arm cards being a hit in artifacts oh, yeah i yeah but for that matter or, or any of the um achievement program cards being considered hits in any product i think right it's kind of uh,
1: what's up kinda, with the signature edition set that's coming out
0: all i know is this product looks pretty cool and I'm excited about it, and I'm hoping it's not some kind of crazy $7,000 a box product. So essentially what this is, um, SP, if you remember SP Signature Edition as a brand, mm-hmm. um, so it's being revived, but it's being revived as a all-retired player and legends set so sort of like you know chronology one was all retired in legends
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and there's been other retired legend sets in the past and a lot of times some of the base sets uh, of the more premium products especially sp and and those products they they'll include in the checklist some stars of of yesteryear as base cards sometimes well this entire product is going to be you know retired players and hall of famers and and all kinds of fun names and and personalities that probably people haven't seen in a while. Um, this is a huge it's a huge product.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the, I think the checklist has like four hundred and fifty cards. Wow maybe, maybe more uh, and that's just the base set so it doesn't count all the inserts and everything else. So it's a fairly large checklist, which is why I'm hoping that it's not a product that's like through the roof and ridiculous. So you get like three, there's 300, 300 base base cards. Okay. And there's 50 short prints. Okay. Um, and then those are going to have parallels. Like there's, I think there's gold foil and spectrum and whatnot that are, that are numbered and everything else. Um, (laughs) but then there's, um, like a future watch set. Like, S.P. Howie's has the future watch cards? Yes. Um, this is the rest of the base set. It's future watch cards, but they're future watch cards of legend players. Hmm. Um, so, like, I think the sell sheet they showed Daryl Sittler. Mm-hmm. And it's a picture of him. <sighs> He's pretty young on the picture. Um, in the Leafs jersey, he's like cocking back to shoot a, to shoot a shot. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, he looks really young. So I'm guessing all of the cards are going to have pictures of the players from like their rookie season or, or something of that nature. So they look, I th- I thought they looked really cool. Tons of autographs. Um, every box supposed to have two, I believe. Um, they're bringing back the century legends um, okay, and they're also bringing back the legend signatures, which is one of the most popular signature sets um, probably of all time um the ninety seven legend signatures mm-hmm. those are highly sought after uh, even to this day, but um yeah, so there's so I mean, there's some really, really cool cards. I mean, because it's an SP product, they're throwing the bounty program in there too. So there'll be a chase, a bounty chase portion of it. Um, but again, it's two autographs in a box, right? Plus there's a, another hit of something rare that's gonna be in there. You get at least three uh, gold parallels. Uh, they're gonna have Canvas Legends in there, which is part of the insert set. Uh, plus, you get like another six or seven inserts, mm-hmm. plus a plus a bounty card.
1: This sounds so, a little bit like uh, it, it's kind of reminding me a little bit of Parker's Champions,
0: where yeah, you had like
1: these legend. It was like sure. pretty much all legends. You had autographs, but then right. you also had like different like parallel sets. Like they had like the artistic rendition type cards.
0: Yeah, and I think it it it's supposed to be more of a Legends product like that. Um, but it, uh, this is packed with a lot more autograph.
1: Well, two material. is not that many. I and mean, two is, seems you like get, one is like a standard. And...
0: You get two in a box, but there's way more on the checklist than there was in any of the Parker sets.
1: Right, right, right. Because,
0: yeah, there were a lot of Parker's autographs, but most of the higher tier ones were very hard to pull. Very right. hard. I mean, if you look at the, if you look at those counts on those, like Tier A, I think was one out of six thousand packs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Tier B was like one out of three thousand. C was like one out of eleven 1, hundred or something. So most of the autographs you were getting were like Tier D and Tier E autographs. So right, you know, you'd open three boxes and get four Brian Sutter autographs. Ugh. Um. So well,
1: actually, with Parker's Champions, funny you should mention that I got um. I think I bought four boxes, and I think two of them had a Ron Sutter autograph. Same card. I got Ron Sutter twice.
0: Yeah, and see, I ended up with... Which was sad. I, I bought a bunch of those boxes back then, and we actually were fortunate enough to pull a Ray Bork. Nice. Of course, my wife pulled it because she always does. Yeah. But she got there. She pulled the Ray Bork. And I believe I got two in two different boxes. I got two. Who was the other Bruin that we got? It was um uh Johnny Busick. All right. I got two of the same cards, but the interesting thing is the one, the way the one was signed, he signed the other one, like he started writing his signature a little further over on the card. Mm-hmm. So you can clearly see that they're different they're signed differently but, mm-hmm. but anyway yeah so back to this product so it's five cards per pack 18 packs per box and so you get 16 boxes in a case so there'll be two inner two inner boxes for those of you that 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 go all out on the cases but i think it's a really cool product and again just like everything else i was really excited about metal until it hit and it was 350 bucks a box yeah I, i'm hoping we're not approaching that here, I think with with that kind of collation. Um, you know, being that it's that it's five cards a pack and 18 per box. I mean, that seems to be like more of a regular type release. However, because of how much autographed autographed products in here, I don't know, this might be a very popular product. It looks cool.
2: I'm kind of excited about it. There's no
0: checklist yet, though. Other than what's on the sell sheet, so.
1: All right, well, should be cool. I mean, it's cool to see that there's new products coming out and some some fresh new ideas and not necessarily just, you know, oh, and now ICE is coming out and now SP is coming out and now. You know, I like. I mean, there's sets that we like, and there's like sets that we kind of look forward to. But I think it's fun when they throw out something like that every um, every now and then. I mean, I'd love to see Champs come back.
0: I would too. I mean, Champs is one of my favorite sets. Um, you know, I didn't do the 0809 Champs set, but I did the 910 one, and I'm still working on it uh, as building a pseudo master set. Mm-hmm. With with all the all, colored parallels. All the colored parallels and all that. Um but yeah and the fifteen sixteen when they brought it back again. Um I, st- I kind of am building that set too, but that one's that one's difficult as well because it had the gold parallels and then the gold back parallels. With the, with the back variation.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, and then there's also the silver ones, which are numbered, and those are harder to find, especially on the short prints, not to mention the rookies that are short printed as it stands, and all of the inserts that aren't really inserts, but look like inserts, but they're numbered as part of the base set, like mm-hmm. the wire photos and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm still, yes. I'm I'm building that set. I have two binders. I have one for each of those sets. Wow. So. I mean it's they're cool. I like Champs is one of the ones I liked liked a lot. So I would I'd love to see that come back. Plus well, Champs is what had the dinosaur cards in them. You could yeah, get a piece true. of a bully mammoth and tyrannosaurus Rex, and stuff like that.
1: I got a rock, as Charlie Brown said. I got a rock.
0: Yeah. You still I, have that or did you sell that?
1: No, I I got it slabbed because Oh you did? Well, like 10 years ago, I had, like, a coupon for two free gradings from Beckett, so I sent my, um, uh, for those who don't know, who haven't been reading my blog for almost 15 years now, uh, back in 08-09, when I bought a box of champs hockey, it had a redemption for a, um, one of the, like, fossil cards, and it wasn't the 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 dinosaur tooth, which is what we all wanted. It was a neolithic stone tool so what it was was it was a piece of a tool made out of stone from the neolithic era so think of like a tree branch with like a stone tied to it that some uh caveman type or whoever lived in the, during the neolithic era used to like you know I'm sure it was a caveman Hit, hit things with, you know, to hammer nails with or whatever the equivalent was back in the Neolithic era. So like my joke is I got a rock like Charlie Brown when they go trick-or-treating and, and they're like, I got a piece of candy. I got a piece of bubble gum. And then Charlie Brown's like, I got a rock because they keep putting rocks in his uh, trick-or-treat bag. Um, and so I got a rock. Yeah. And then I ended up getting that card graded because I think one year when I renewed my Beckett hockey subscription this is i can't remember if this is uh i mean 10 12 years ago um they gave me a coupon for two free card gradings so i got my neolithic stone tools card graded just to see what that experience would be like
0: i, I guess technically the caveman period was the paleolithic period mm-hmm. the Neolithic's when they came out of the caves and started building like mud huts and stuff so
1: oh, okay all right yeah. So, so
0: maybe you have a piece of tool that they used to build a mud hut.
1: That's great. I mean, it's so it was used for, yeah, for, so it was like a hammer basically to, to, for like home building.
0: Wouldn't it be really weirder too, if you could get it like DNA tested and you found out that it had similar DNA structure as your own self? So you realized it was used by one of your ancestors? That would be really weird.
1: I mean, yeah, I didn't really think about it that hard, and you I know, just not- blew
0: my own mind by that.
1: Wow! I think this is time to end the show. I, I think just blew uh,
0: my own mind with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think at the beginning of the show you said you're you're not quite in your mind, and now you said you blew your mind. So I think this is uh, this is a good time to uh, to end. Do you have anything else you want to add before we um, wrap it up?
0: Yes, you should get your Neolithic mud hut building tool piece DNA tested should and anybody else out there that does have it dna tested to find out if it came from one of your ancestors
1: see i'd be more interested in getting a dna sample from one of the the jersey swatch pieces on a on an upper deck card although those have been laundered but still i would be interested in
0: to try to match it and see if it was actually worn by the player yeah We'd have to have their DNA somehow, though.
1: This is true. Yeah, this is where you need to, like...
0: So if you can get somehow close to whoever it is you have the jersey of, or the jersey swatch piece, and, like, pull a hair out of their head or something without getting charged with assault?
1: No, you just got to get them to drink something, and then you take the cup when they're not looking, and there's your there's your sample.
0: Hey, it works on movies.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it should work in real life. Maybe. All right, well, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed the show, be sure to like and subscribe. Please be sure to write us a review on iTunes. And until next time, collect what you like.
0: For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk.